0: All right, welcome in. I can't believe this is the last uh regular season pod. Uh but we made it this far. That's that was a quick ass season. I tell you what, that was I feel like we were just getting ready for bowling green. Uh Lowe's on a bye week this week. The pod just got a little bit uglier without her. She'll be back next week. Uh we got an end-of-the-season review. We have a bunch of little categories we're going to talk about. We got a bunch of stuff. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the uh, national stuff, coaching searches and coaching frenzy and and uh, some playoff stuff and. Uh, but um, this first part's going to be strictly about the 2021 season. Um, so uh, let's go overall thoughts and give me a, give me a y'all give me a letter grade for Hopple this year. Uh, Paul, you can go ahead and start out.
1: So. I have in my notes here, like, if we're just going to sum up the season, I think it's the saying of doing what you had or doing what you could with what you had. And I think that's one of the biggest things this season. I mean, Josh Heupel came in, 35 players off the roster transferred, 25 of them were starters off this team. I know we are 3-7, and seven, but if you lose 25 of your starters, you're not going to be as successful. Uh, but I gave Heupel a B-plus. The main reason I gave him the B-plus was because of how bad Florida turned out to be. And that blowout just does not look good. I think if you keep it close with Florida, you may be looking at an A-minus or an A. But with the loss to Florida is how bad it was. And then kind of lack of execution at the beginning of the pit game. Obviously, you can kind of put that on Joe Milton's shoulders. But he did go with Joe out of the gate. So that's why I gave him a B-plus for his first year.
0: DR, go ahead.
2: Uh, Yeah, Paul kind of – I'm actually on par – or in line with Paul, honestly, on this. The Florida game pisses me off because I remember saying on the pod a few weeks ago that at the end of the year, every one of our losses should be to a ranked team. And I really thought that Florida was going to pick it back up. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to go B+. You know, it's hard to even give them low. I almost went A-. Uh, But the Florida game and then Milton starting over Hooker. Uh, is what brought it down for me and honestly I'd like to see him pull out the pit or the Ole Miss game but it's hard to and I'm negative I am very negative a lot of that's because last season but it it's really hard with everything we had going against us this year to get
3: negative on Manny
0: what you got
3: yeah I went uh I also went B plus um I kind of got that as B plus with a curve um Obviously, last year was dog shit. Hopple come in; he did uh, he did more than Jeremy Pruitt did with uh, half the roster. Jeremy Pruitt had, um, you know. So if things if things might have been different, I like Dr. said, I might lean towards more towards the negative. If if would have come in with a full roster and and uh, the season went the same way, I might I might dip to a C. But going with with everything he had. With the uh, all the transfers and stuff, I got him at a B plus. Um, I, th- I think we could use more, like um, in in game game plan changes. Like I realized when we when we won the season, it worked right. Like we really won. But uh, you know, you look at like the old Miss games. Kiffin really changed his entire game plan that he used the whole year during that game, and. Um, Really, I think that's why it ended up being such a low-scoring game, and and they came out with the win.
0: I'm honestly shocked, y'all. I, I would, ex, I was expecting an A or something from a couple of y'all. I'm, 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 I'm. Are y'all finally coming around to being take off of the orange glasses? Like, I'm proud of y'all. Like, I, like I'm shedding a tear. Uh, yeah, I'm in that B minus. A, no, I'm in that B plus, A minus category. Like, I could see giving, giving him an A. Um, what keeps me from that is that he only beat teams that he was supposed to beat, right? And some people say, well, what about Kentucky? Well, I, I, I will never. I don't care if they're ranked first and they're killing people by 40. Tennessee should always beat Kentucky, okay? Um he beat everybody he needed to beat. He lost everybody that he – he lost everybody he should have lost to, right? So, I wish he stole one with, like, a pit. I wish he stole one from, like, a um, like an old Miss. And as the season went on, you know, that Florida loss looks bad. It honestly does. Another negative that I'm kind of worried about that I'm going to take some score off, has nothing to do with really the season, um, is recruiting. Um, I was hoping – him coming in and scoring the points, and and would really take control of recruiting. And I, he hasn't had that one marquee recruit yet that we've that just kind of snowball. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Butch's one of Butch's classes. He had like Hurd and Barnett and like everything come together. And we got like Todd Kelly and all of them. Hopple has yet to have that, and I'm I'm a little worried about that going forward. But I was hoping some of the, you know, the cool uniforms and, the, and, the, and, you know, some of the stuff that he does that I call gimmicks, you know. But I wish – I thought that would maybe bring some type of one or two in. That, so I'm, I'm going to take some points off that. So he beat everybody. He, and when was the last time, honestly, that we had a coach that beat everybody he was supposed to be, especially in year one? Like, <laughs> look, go back and do Lee Butch and Pruitt. Their years one did not overachieve. You can make a legitimate case. I, I, I sit here and say that he beat everybody that he was supposed to beat and then say overachieve. Well, I mean, you can kind of make those arguments yourself, but yeah, I'm going to go with about a B minus. Okay, so uh, we can move on to the next thing. Before we get to the superlatives and all this about the offensive MVP and stuff, so I wanted to talk about like our standings I wanted to bring this at some time so I went back and listened to all our pods and um, I came up with like our picks and I wanted to shout these out real quick so not all of us was on every single pod episode so I think me and me and Paul was the only ones that was on every episode. So the way I did it was um, let's say somebody missed a game that was like a Tennessee Tech top I just gave y'all the win okay? So, if it was like UT Chattanooga, I gave y'all the win, because y'all would have picked them to win, right? So, now DR and his picks came in first. I did it by, since we had different numbers, I I did it by percentage. So, DR, you came in first, but there's a little asterisk. I don't think you picked Pitt that week. I think you were out that week.
2: Was he even on the pod for the I game? I don't
0: think so. I don't think I was. Yeah. Okay. So, what I did, so you went 10-0. and 0. But, but didn't include the pit uh thing So I came in second at 10 and one I picked um I think I picked Pitt I, I picked us to beat pitt uh Lowe had nine and three Bandit had seven and two and Paul had eight and four so that's that's what our saying I'm actually surprised I went back and heard that Eight and
1: four is good. I thought it was gonna be like five and like 12. Well
0: I, I actually can't believe you picked Bama against us. Like, I thought you would pick – now, you picked Georgia, and I think you picked – now, Bandit had Florida beating us, but he had Ole Ole Miss. We had us beating Ole Miss.
1: Wait. Uh, Wait. I have way more losses than that because I picked us to beat Florida, L. I picked us to beat Ole Miss, L. I picked us to beat Georgia, L. I picked us to be. who was our other loss? um, Pitt. Pitt. Pitt, yeah, I would be yeah, yeah. five. Yeah, I think that's, that's four. four. That's four. Pitt, yeah, Florida, Ole Miss, Georgia. Oh shit! That's, I got, yeah, that's four.
0: Four, four, four. So Dr <laughs> won the Dr based off percentages. Now, but let's be honest, Dr. Who would you have picked, Tennessee or Pitt, that game? Like, be honest.
2: I, I picked Pitt.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he would have went probably eleven and zero. So he smoked us there for a game or two. But I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so uh, we can move on. So let's go to the first uh, category. Let's go uh, your your offensive MVP. And just a side note, probably everybody could agree that, you know, Hooker was probably our number one guy. But just for entertainment purposes, I told everybody to pick somebody different. So if you get on Twitter and you see one of us pick something you didn't like and then argue, just know that we're just doing it for entertainment. So we're each picking something different. Paul, you're up, buddy.
1: Uh, I've been on Hendon Hooker's Nutsack quote-unquote, all year. So I'm going to stay there. Uh, we, in the group chat, I do want to tell everybody that's watching in the group chat, we all kind of had like, uh, hey, who wants to say Hooker? Because you know Hooker is going to be one of the top answers, obviously. I said I'd like him because I've been on his nuts all year, and I have. Uh, I got stats for his final like season totals. He was 180 of 261 for 69% completion percentage, and he threw for 2,567 yards, 26 touchdowns. And something that was super refreshing this year compared to the last guy who played quarterback that's he who shall not be named he only threw three interceptions i'm pretty sure the other guy did that in a game so super huge improvement i'm glad he is here and i hope he stays next year
2: for mvp it's not a player but i mean i'm, I'm gonna have to go with apple <laughs> his play calling it's fantastic man and uh he did something that Pruitt wasn't doing, and that was bit Bench, the terrible quarterback, and give him a raise for that after what I've seen, honestly. Um, you know, there were some games I thought he was uh, not as prepared, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, but overall, man, I love to play Colin. Uh,
3: for offensive MVP, I took the O-line. Uh, coming into this season, I figured, you know, one one of the places we this team could be hurt would be quarterback. Um Hooker ended up being the bright spot there. But then um you you look at depth overall, O line was a spot of concern. I mean, obviously linebacker was the biggest, but um O line was a spot of concern with depth. Uh went back and checked some numbers. Hooker got sacked thirty four times um this season. Um, but which he only played in ten games, so that's you know 3.4 sacks a game um but really it felt better than that um i felt like this old line performed good all well going back and looking at some of their better stats on the uh, pro football um we averaged uh 3.07 yard and this is on plays that are credited to the o-line i don't know how they Go through and pick that apart, but on plays credited to the O line, we picked up three point oh seven yards per play. That's seventh in the country. And um, on standard downs, uh, one, uh, you know, first, first, second, third down, we picked up three point twelve yards per play. That's third in the country um, on how they rate that statistic. And then another cool stat they do is stuff rate. So um, r- rushing yards a rushing play stopped at the line was 13%. So 13% of our rushes, only 13% of our rushes didn't make it past the goal or the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's 14th in the country in that statistic.
0: So before I get to mine, there's a little bit of breaking news. So Marcus Freeman, which is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, he's been hired as the head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, some people thought that that was a uh, Luke fickle, um, uh, definite hire. I've never heard of this guy. I don't know anything about him or, or whatever, but it uh, looks like Notre Dame is ready to move on from Brian Kelly after him leaving LSU. We'll talk about the coaching thing in just a second. Just thought I'd bring that up. Okay, so my I like, uh, my MVP I like is Cedric Tillman. I think this dude, man I love this guy. He, um, he kind of brings a little bit of swagger to the offense uh, with Hooker. I swear it feels like Tillman had 15,000 different like deep bombs like anytime you looked up dude was running down the sideline like it and we talk about hopple scheming him open like he was just open all the time it looked like um there's a stat i saw i love and i hate it i hate it because i feel like it's like cherry picking a little bit but it really does say a lot so he's second in the country in yards versus top 25 opponents to me, that's like – they're kind of like making a case for that he's doing – I mean, that's fine. Yeah, he's he's doing against – he's doing the best work against the best competition. He had 200 yards against Georgia. He had 152 against Bama. You know who those DBs are? They're five stars. So he's doing work against that. So what's crazy is like last year, two receptions for 61 yards. Like, you know, why, why wasn't this guy on the field last year? And, you know um, – I just I just don't understand what Pru- Pruitt and Cheney was doing last year. I just, but but I can't wait to see this guy. I guess he's coming back next year, right? He's a redshirt junior. So this guy's gonna be the focal point in the offense. I bet next year we we need to pair him up with another two. I think we're losing another part of our receiving core, so we need to pair him up. But I love this guy. He he showed up when you needed him. Was he that? Was he the guy that the ball came off his hands at the end of the Ole Miss game when Milton? If he was like. Someone made a good point about this that he was exhausted after that game and like he, he just didn't have any get up. But if like he, if he grew up an inch, extra inch or two, he might have snagged that. And um, against Ole Miss, that would have been I'd probably tackle my brother in the stands down the down the steps. But I love that guy. Um, we can uh, turn our thoughts to defense now, Paul. What you got?
1: Did Dr. say his offensive? Oh yeah, hypo. My bad. I was like, Okay, we're on defense. Not my fault. Uh, I'm gonna go with Alante Taylor. Uh, obviously, statistically, he did—he wasn't even close to Jeremy Banks in tackles. But for me, the reason I gave him this nod is because of the, how big the pick six was he had at Kentucky. I mean, we Kentucky was driving. I believe it was thirty-one twenty-eight, and then that touchdown made it a ten-point game, which really kind of seized all momentum that Will Levis had in that game. Because Will Levis whether we want to talk about how trashy was, he was carving us up and he was running all over us, really. Uh, we could not stop Wanda Robertson worth of shit up until that point. And Elante Taylor being able to make that play. And then Colin, basically calling Will Levis a dumbass after making that pick six was awesome. So uh, statistically, he finished with 60 total tackles, two interceptions, one for a touchdown. Really should have been two. His Tennessee Tech touchdown, he was like this close to stepping out. So – uh, yeah, that, that's my MVP on defense for this year.
2: So I kind of switched it up last minute, uh, so I don't don't do two coaches. But Jeremy Banks. Okay, I made the argument with a buddy of mine. Like he, I think he's good, but I think he looks better than what he actually is. As stupid that is to say, because of our lack of linebacker play around him. I wonder how he'll look next year with better linebacker play around him. And it may up his game. I'm going to go with Jeremy Banks right now. I wish he would chill the hell out a lot on those penalties because, you know, some of these games, that could have really cost us this year. But I'll go with Banks just because, honestly, lack of choice is my opinion.
3: Uh, so this defensive MVP, um, it ended up being the the better part of my notes here. i want to talk about this dude, Byron Young. Um, oldest player on the team, or almost the oldest player. He's 23. This is his first year uh, playing Power Five football. He's 23 years old. Um, Didn't play football last year because of COVID. Um, Didn't have any Power Five offers until the very end of last year. Committed to Tennessee on signing day um, last February, comes in. Um, At one point after high school, he moved from South Carolina to Georgia and spent 18 months um, as assistant manager at Dollar General. And then late last year, um, got a spot with Georgia Military College um, at an open tryout. Comes in here this fall, misses his first two games due to some, you know, BS uh, eligibility stuff from his transfer from the from the military college. Um, but he comes in this year uh, in ten games, puts up five and a half sacks. That's first on the team. Uh, Forty-nine sack yards. That's also first on the team. So you, you take guys. Uh, I think second and third place was five and four and a half sacks, but they didn't come close to the to the sack yardage he got. So I mean, he was he was really pushing some dudes back. Um, Thirty-eight tackles. That's seventh on the team. Eighteen of those were solo tackles. That's nice. So you know he's getting out on the edge. Uh, two two pass deflections and. Uh, that's my defensive MVP, Byron Young.
0: I guess I'll go with Banks, even though I tried to do something different. DR stole my guy. But uh, I'll elaborate on him a little more. This is a guy that the previous coaching staff didn't know what to do with. Like they bounced him from running back to linebacker, back to running back, back to linebacker. The God, defensive specialist Jeremy Pruitt, didn't know what to do with him. I mean, I... this administration comes in and says, hey, we don't have no players at linebacker. Go over there to the other side of the ball and go tackle dudes. And that's what he did. Now, uh, somebody – I saw something, a funny tweet today that said he had as many personal fouls as he had tackles. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so, a couple stats to throw at you. So, he led the team in tackles. He was third in the SEC, which that's – think about that. Third in the SEC, that's like Al Wilson stuff, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Uh, he – he was tied for the team lead with nine tackles for loss. Does that seem low? Like, a tackle for loss you would think happens a lot, especially if, like, a running back gets stuffed. But I just thought that was, like – I mean, that's good that he led the team. I just thought that was kind of low I to like, have
3: nine. I feel like that might be high for a linebacker.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying, though, is, like, overall in the team. Like, he said it, t- it was tied team lead nine. That seems low. Oh, okay. think that, I get what you're saying. You see, You'd think that would be – you know, a defensive lineman would yeah, be yeah, getting yeah. back there.
3: Yeah, that's what I was saying. No, I get what you're
0: yeah. saying now. Yeah, uh, I thought that's kind of low. So, uh that's good for him. And he was third on the team with four and a half sacks. I'll be honest. I don't remember one sack he made. I, um He had four and a half. I don't remember us getting to the – I remember us getting to the QB a lot, but that, we just never finished from memory, just off memory. But, yeah, Jeremy Breaks. Banks, a guy that they – no one knew what to do with. Next year, he's going to be a pivotal part in the,
1: in the defense. Paul, you got something? Yeah, I kind of wanted to uh, say something. You said that's kind of Al Wilson numbers. Just to give you uh, uh, some career stats on Al, he only had 27 tackles for long, his whole career. So okay. He have, have a third of that in his, like, first real year starting at middle linebacker. It's a lot more impressive than people may think. Okay, I got you. I would love to go back. I might do that after this,
0: just go back and just see – like what's what's like take a first round pick. Some of those Bama linebackers, I'd like to see how many, how many tackles they've had um in general and just compare it with Banks. But he's gonna be a pivotal part next year. The the slant master left us, so he had to come in and 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 uh and uh lead us, lead us on defense. But he had a great year. He really did. I'd like Jeremy, to see
3: him go ahead. Jeremy, uh I actually I saw a, a thing the other day kind of like what you're talking about. Uh, Jeremy Banks actually beat Henry T in every defensive stat possible this year. Really? Yep.
0: That reminds me of that year that um, – remember when Manti Teo, they really didn't have any – it's kind of like this year, they really didn't have anybody to go to represent the Heisman. Manti Teo went like uh, – A.J. Johnson beat him in basically every category except for interceptions. So that's, that's pretty funny right there. All right, so we got offensive MVP, defensive MVP. Let's go – some of your favorite – uh, moments of the season worst moments we'll just package that in a in a deal
1: right there together favorite and worst So, well, my worst moment i'll no, i'll do favorite first uh my favorite moment was the elante taylor pick six against kentucky i kind of already explained that i'm not going to dive too much into that you know big momentum shifter when it's that game my worst moment was the jimmy calloway drop against florida fourth and five I mean, we had just complete it. was a long ass drive. We're on Florida's 30. He has probably a touchdown in front of him. We're only down 24 14 at that point. If he catches that, he probably walks in the end zone. And then it's 24 17 and we don't lose. We probably, wait, no, it's 24 21. We're only down by 10. So we probably don't lose that game by 24. And who knows, we might come back and win. But that play to me shut the whole all momentum we had in that game.
2: Well, Paul took my worst. I'm with you on that. My favorite was Joe Milton being benched. I I don't like watching him play. He's like JG for me. I I just don't enjoy it. Um, He's more fun to watch than JG, but that that turned the whole season around, him being benched. Maybe he can come back next year or or whatever he wants to do and improve. But, uh, yeah, worst moment is both Callaway drops because there was another one that he – it was like a third down, I believe, and uh, he dropped that, and that – again – you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we got a mental block against Florida, but God, hold on to the damn ball. And you don't know what happens that game. Florida sucked. They sucked. And he couldn't hold on to the damn ball. I'm getting pissed off thinking about it. There's certain plays in my Tennessee career. And this is why I'd stay negative, that I will not let go. The 2018 game, Austin Pope, when he fumbled it in the end zone, when I was sitting there, that pissed me off. Uh, Daniel Lincoln against Alabama, in 09. You know, he, he couldn't kick it above the fence post that game. Um, JG against Bama 19. JG against Kentucky. Just any time JG plays, but man, hold on to the damn ball. And you don't know what happens that game. You're look you may be looking at a totally different freaking season. I'm telling you, that right there just gets me worked up. And you never saw him again rest of the year, thankfully.
3: All right. Um, for my favorite moment, I've got um the fact that we led every game at some point. Um I uh, went back and looked. That's the first time we've done that since 2015. Um, obviously, you look at the eight wins. We you can you can quickly see when we led, but the five losses. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, end of the first quarter. It was uh, ten to nothing, and pretty much I went through our five losses and I tried to break it up between like, uh, you know, uh, when when I felt the best about the lead. And then uh, on, the, on the opposite side of that, when it was kind of, like, clear that, okay, this we're not going to win this. So, uh, end of the first against Pitt was 10 to, 10 to nothing. We throw an interception with four minutes and 52 seconds in the fourth quarter. Pittsburgh pretty much knees it out. You know, maybe there was a chance if we would have stopped him on one first down, we could have got the ball back with trash time left. But um, So, Pitt, Pittsburgh was a game until four minutes left. Florida, we're up 14 to 10 in the second quarter. And then towards the end of the game, it was uh two minutes left in the third. They go up 31-14. It was kind of clear it was over at that point. Ole Miss 9-7 in the first. Nealan's rocking. And then you got Milton running out of bounds with three zeros on the clock, 31-26. Not gonna win that one. Bama up 14 to 7 into the first. And Really, this is the latest I can remember us hanging around with Bama for a long time. i uh, didn't didn't really call that one over myself until twelve minutes left in the fourth quarter when Bama went up thirty eight twenty four very next possession with own interception. then in the Georgia game ten to seven into the first, then uh, they go up twenty four ten with thirty seconds left in the first half. Um, so favorite moments, the fact that pretty much every game, you, it was a game, I feel like about nine out of 12, no, I guess it would be seven out of 10 games last year. I didn't even watch past halftime. There was no point um, pretty much every game this year. Uh, you never really had a point to turn your TV off until you know maybe late in the fourth quarter. And uh, I guess you could look at those and, and, and see a best and a worst moment in each of them uh those five losses but for the top worst moment I've got uh hooker going out late in the fourth quarter against old miss and Joe Milton running it out with triple zeros. Really think if Hooker stays in that whole game we probably pull that one out but that's why it's the worst.
0: Uh those are those are all pretty good. Um some of my favorites I mean I no one's gonna say this but I just think so I, I like Thursday night openers, so getting ready. You know, we're, we're playing before everybody else, getting hopped up. You know, I think I worked like a half a day that day. And we you go, you go to the stadium, Bowling Green. Like, I know that's – the game itself wasn't, you know, one of my favorites. Just going tailgate and all that. Um, another favorite I loved uh, – that's one of the best tailgates I had was Ole Miss. Uh, It was a night game we had all day. DR came in, a bunch of people came in. Like everybody was there. That was, it was most fun, one of the most fun tailgates I've ever, ever witnessed. Um, Being in the game with Bama for three quarters was pretty cool, I thought, until all hell broke loose. I legit thought we were going to pull that shit out just the way the game went. Like shit was just happening for us. And then bam, fourth quarter happens. Uh, Dr's right on some of the worst. The third down across with the drop ball. You, yeah, um, that's the that's the game where I didn't get my um, my barstool hoodie and I pitched a fit because um, they didn't cover at the end. Um, some of the some of the worst. Now you can a bunch of y'all can talk about like the um, the ending of Ole Miss. I actually think it was the the Corral fumble because it's in my eyes that's tip, tip, typical Tennessee. I've gotten to the point. Where, if I see a controversial call or even a flag, let's say my team makes a play, right? I will wait before I celebrate because I'm, I'm so, it's kind of like cheating on a, like a girl, been cheating on you for 20 years. Like, I will wait to see if there's any flags, any calls, then I will celebrate. Like, it almost basically has to go to the next play, uh, Vol, uh, Vol syndrome, Vol battered syndrome. But that play, I just, I still don't understand it. I mean, they let it go. Sometimes they actually whistle that play. And they don't give you the touchdown if it's whistled, but they let it play on. That's what I don't understand. I'll never understand it. I'm convinced that we would have won that game over a couple, a variety of things. It's just typical Tennessee getting over the hump. But, um, you know, Kentucky, beating Kentucky the way we did, that was a, such a damn weird game. First play of the game, we took it to the crib. Um, I, can't, I still can't believe we gave up all that yardage, to that trash-ass quarterback. But I knew it was gonna be weird. I just didn't know if it was gonna be high scoring we- weird. I thought it was gonna be low scoring weird. But uh, good season and uh, appreciate Bandit you uh, you and uh, Wifey uh, going down there at seven o'clock. I know you probably didn't ever want to do that shit, but I appreciate that because my ass ain't going down there. But thanks for doing that for us. I, that, that tailgate was the bomb. No yes, problem.
3: Saying. Like like seeing y'all have a good time. I mean, yeah, obviously I like having a good time.
0: That one, dude. I swear, I looked in your eyes, and I didn't. I, I thought you were in another dimension. How hammered you were that one, that one game. Like, I don't... live in another dimension. <laughs> the, the
2: Ole Miss game, you were, because when I tried to get you to pour me another beer out of that keg, you 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 kind of dunked it in there. It's like I just hope Bandit remembers me. <laughs> but I, I'm with Leland. though. I talk about a lot, like a memorable moments in Leland. and Ole Miss for me, man. It's gonna go down, at, despite the outcome. Kind of like the 15 Oklahoma. I had such a blast getting to meet and hang out with y'all. Like to me, it, I don't know, not to get all sentimental and crap, but when you get older, man, it's stuff like that, and I really enjoy getting to come down, meet new people, and you know your internet friends. But I, th- that was such a damn blast. That was a highlight of my season. We ain't imagine, done
0: yet? Imagine hanging out with people from Twitter. <laughs> imagine how weird cucky that would be. Cucky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was favorite. Uh, Favorite worst moment, and um, let's start the next round with some of the surprises you have on this 2021 team, whether it's offense, defense, coaching. Pull something out of your ass. I don't know. Anything. What do you got, Paul?
1: My surprise moment was, for one, we actually finally beat a ranked team on the road and didn't look like we didn't deserve to be in the game. I know it was Kentucky, but I feel like – I mean, a game that comes to mind for me was 2012 Mississippi State. We go there, they're really not that much better than us. We have a much better offense, and they beat us by like 17. I know I know, Patterson had that kick return, and we played with them, but it just looked like they were more prepared, and that was super frustrating. But I was very surprised that there wasn't a single game, at least in the first quarter, that we did not look like we were prepared to play the game. We always jumped out. like We usually start so slow or start so – or finish slow, but for the most part, other than that Alabama game, but I think we just got dead really. A lot of our slow finishes, I think, were to our depth. But it was nice to see our team actually looked well coached during the season. That was just a surprise that he did that with in year one.
2: I think my biggest surprise is, um, you remember the apathy in the fans like towards the end of Pruitt, like Bandit was talking about. It. I hated watching last year, man. I never thought. My fandom, I get to where I was pulling against my team to lose, so we get this dumbass out as a coach, and I remember thinking, God, I don't even. I'm going to watch it next year. And then we hired Heppel, and I did not like the hire. I wasn't excited about it. And hell, uh, I mean, I ended up coming more this year than i <laughs> came. My whole fandom. That's what she said. What? Yeah. <laughs> she, you, she says a lot to you. Not <laughs> not <sure. laughs> But I, I think just the support this team's gotten, man, the Ole Miss game was badass. I didn't think I'd see that this year. Packed Stadium and, I, I don't know, him reinstilling my fandom is the biggest surprise for me.
3: Uh, you know, we we started this season with that Bowling Green game. We put up 38 points. We won. It was kind of bland. And then uh, we got to the Pit game. We, you know, scored some points there, ended up losing it at the end. Then you got the Tennessee Tech game, put up 56 points, really felt like we had an offense. Go down to Florida, take a tough loss. We only put up 14 points. At that point, I was feeling kind of low. I was like, all right, this is is showing our true colors. All these transfers are hurting us. Um, My surprise moment is going to Missouri and putting up 62 points. uh, that was that was really the moment for me. I was like, okay, this guy might have something here. We might we might be on a roll. Um, that's my surprise moment. That sixty burger against Missouri. Um, uh, me, Lowe, and Paul watched it down there at Fieldhouse Social in Knoxville, and I, we, I was I was shocked. I was couldn't couldn't believe it. That was uh, I guess it was probably almost a year and a half. That was the happiest I've been during a UT game. So that's my surprise moment.
0: i want to take y'all's mind back to, like, fall camp and some of the question marks coming out about this team. Let's see, what was it? It was no QB. It was no depth on defense. It was question marks along the line. It was the dead horse beating 30 transfers. Like – it backs were against the wall, and I know you know we didn't, you know, we won what we're supposed to do, like I mentioned earlier. But like, I just can't believe after what we've been through the last couple years on offense that all we had to do was hire somebody that could scheme these guys open like they were. And when it started happening, like the pit game, like to, let's take Bowling Green out of it, it was Bowling Green, whatever they were the worst. FCS team last year and all that, but like when it start when I started seeing it in the pit game and like Pitt, Florida, like these guys are just butt naked down the sideline. Like I just, I just can't believe that after what we went through last year with three and outs and JG and throwing it into the flat on third and ten, like we he almost like waved a magic wand. And these guys were just wide open and we had a QB that could hit these guys. Like I just couldn't believe it. And if you don't believe that a coach can – that coaching matters, go back and watch the highlight film of the 2020 Tennessee Volunteers and turn around and put the other 2021 uh, Tennessee Volunteers because it's a completely different team. If you take off their uniforms and just put random pink and purple, two different teams, and most of the – I mean, I know you know you replaced a QB and all that, but I mean, you can make a case there was more talent last year on the team with Eric Gray and Tyson Chandler and the receivers and all that. But I just I can't believe. And then a little, t- gonna touch a little bit on the defense. Now, I looked up the end of the year defensive rankings, and they slid bad. they I think they finished eighth or eighty first in. Um, 84th in total defense, but they were mid 40s. I think that's probably a, a sign of uh, not having depth at the, at the defensive positions. But the first seven or eight games, they were ranked in the 40s. And again, Mister Defensive Genius, their defense was ranked what? It was like in the 70s or 80s by the time the whole, whole entire last year. But uh, and I said it a thousand times, it was duct tape and uh, and, and, and you know super glue that we had on defense. He just put Tim Banks and them put and I've always said, I said, Heppel can win here with two things. He can if he if he if he can develop a quarterback, he always has a chance. Let somebody else worry about the defense. And let's get this defense going. And that's what he did this year. But I just can't believe after all that, after all we've been through since Dobbs that the offense was the way it was. And I'm I can't wait till next year and we're gonna be doing the same thing. Uh any anything else before we get to the next round to this point. Okay. So, I thought this was a little fun. I wanted to do this. So, it's it's obviously way too early to be predicting stuff. But, let's just do it. It's going to be fun. Um let's give an early 2022 prediction just based off, you know, who you knows coming back. Um we obviously don't know any freshmen or recruits or anything like that. And then we do know the schedule for next year, so let's do a quick uh, early two thousand twenty two prediction.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with nine and three. Uh, Bama and Georgia are gonna kick our ass, and we're gonna either lose to Florida because they're Florida, or we're gonna lose to LSU because we're Tennessee, and that that's my prediction.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go eight and four losses to the usual three in LSU.
3: I've got us 9 and 3. I uh, really look forward to that revenge game against Pitt. Definitely making that trip. Um, I've got us 9 and 3 losses to Bama and Georgia. I've got uh, Florida and LSU as toss-ups. I think I think we win one of those, lose the other. Um, there's no way they both made good enough hires to both beat us in the first year. Either uh Billy's going to fail his first test or Brian Kelly's going to cuckwalk.
0: Uh, This schedule really sets up nice if you just break it down. Um, After Bama, you have UT Martin, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vandy with Georgia sprinkled in. You have a bye week before LSU. Uh, A little side note, I know me and DR is talking about this, but let's do like a one big – like we don't all have to go together and all that, but let's at least get tickets together for LSU Bandit. I'm definitely going to make it. That's a bucket list item. Um, I hope it's at night so we can get extra drunk and get and getting fights with LSU fans. Um, but think, that's a bucket. I think,
3: list. Our, I think it's early enough in the year that it probably will be at night. October eighth.
0: Yep. Um, so that's a bucket list item I've always wanted to go. I think they. What do they go to the West Stadium like every six years? It's ridiculous how the stadium play how the schedule plays out. But I'm never gonna pick us against. Uh, Florida, so that's a loss. I have us nine and three. Bama and Georgia. Um, Pitt graduates their NFL quarterback and like twenty something seniors, twenty seven seniors. Even though it's a way, I'm picking us to win. So in hindsight, we could be three and zero heading in into Florida game, which is going to be winnable. I'm just not going to pick them. I have us at nine and three. Obviously, it's going to take a lot. You have to beat the bottom feeders like we did this year. You know SEC's weird. Like you're not always going to beat the bottom feeders, um, but none of them are good. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with a loss with them. But you know Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Like Kentucky might be decent, uh, but it's in Neyland. They've won there once in 30 years or something. But I got nine and three. Hope I'd be a great year. And high. you want to see this trending up? You want to keep Dually and Butch? It was like this, and then they got to a point where it was like leveled out with Butch. You want to you want to continue this. See that climb going forward, but I have us at ninety
2: three uh, the last time Kentucky played us at Neyland, they beat us.
0: yep, that was the j g two pick game. I left one of the earliest I've ever left at game all right so all all ball stuff is behind us. anything on the two thousand twenty one season anything at all last up
3: bandit um uh Lante Taylor and Bayless Jones uh both going to the uh senior bowl. Good luck for them. Be sure to tune in on that. And Lante um,
0: Lante Taylor is not playing in the bowl game. I know people sometimes get mad at this. Dude, I don't care. Like, you know, he wants he doesn't want to get hurt, you know. Go make that money, dude. I'm not I'm not too butt hurt over stuff like that.
3: Um 20, uh 2021 ball season uh Congratulations to the dude, Paul Weatherman, for uh, getting engaged.
0: Paul! Right.
3: Congrats, Paul. I can't
1: wait
0: until Paul loses his virginity. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> what? So long. I even offered, I was like, look, you can even stick a finger in my ass if it'll make you go <laughs> <up> to <after." laughs> <laughs>
3: That's how JD,
1: JG did it. Oh, my yeah, God. Kind of playing time, so whatever works
0: uh okay so all of all stuff behind us um we're still going to do a basketball pod i would assume we're going to touch some stuff going forward on bowls we're going to do a, ball, a football uh bowl pod coming up we're going to touch some touch on some stuff on the uh national stuff playoff and all that okay so what are y'all thoughts on the coaching carousel what are y'all thoughts on uh lincoln riley brian kelly um, do you think it's? Do you think they did them wrong? Do you? You know, I'm gonna throw this at you. Uh, this kind of goes with our question last week with Mullen. What, what did you think about um, Brian Kelly's uh, speech to his team that was four minutes? He had him come up there at seven o'clock. Uh, it, it, it was it was timed under under you know five minutes. He then he got on the plane and left. And went down to Baton Rouge. What? So just touch on all that just a little bit. So uh,
1: Paul, go ahead. So. In my notes, I have three statements, and I'm really not even going to break them down. Lincoln Kiffin, Oklahoma. Kelly made a good decision. LSU did not. And Napier is a terrible hire, almost Butch Jones-esque. With Lincoln,
2: I think he's avoiding the SEC, but I think he's being smart. He's going to go be Dabo Sweeney of the West. I mean, he's going to USC and not going to play a damn team. You know, the Oregon's always going to be out there competing UCLA. You know, we'll see what they do. But he's going to have an easy path every year, and he's going to do what he did against Oklahoma. He's going to walk right through the regular season, get his ass kicked in the playoffs. Uh, as far as um, Brian Kelly, I think he's overrated. Uh, I, I think it's easy to win at Notre Dame. It's hard to recruit because of the restrictions, but they don't, I mean, they don't play a lot of good teams out there. And I, I don't know, people talk about a fit and all that. Well, Orgeron was a fit, and they fired him. I mean, he won a natty there. But uh, what was the other one you touched on, Leland? I don't uh, remember now.
0: Oh, About his speech. Did you think it was kind of sleazy, Brian Kelly's speech? Do you think either, either one leaving is sleazy?
2: I think the way Lincoln's doing it right now is sleazy, you know, doing the recruits. I mean, but what else? Is, I mean, he's recruited all these kids, and he knows they're going to be instant um, – hits at USC I don't know and I, as far as Brian Kelly what else is he supposed to say he's leaving you know it's hard to go tell somebody goodbye and he's not gonna take questions they're not gonna he's not gonna sit there and ask them their opinion to change his mind so I, unfortunately it's part of football I mean Leland you brought it forward same as players leaving honestly you know except for the coach who's getting paid way 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 more but I don't like it it's just part of it though yeah um, I
3: mean looking at Looking at the final contract details, uh, you know I don't I don't blame Lincoln Riley a bit for leaving. Um, like Dr. said, he's going to have it easy where he's at. Um, does USC make the playoffs? I don't I don't know. I think just like it was hard for Ohio State to get into the playoffs the last three or four years, even when they did, you know, only have one loss. I think the Pac-12 will have that. Same kind of a feel over the next couple of years, even if Lincoln Riley is going uh, eleven and one or uh, twelve and one at um, USC. Uh, I think Brian Kelly is a punk. He just has that feel. Um, just going going through all the Brian Kelly horror stories online over the last couple of days, and there are a shit ton out there. Um, don't think he's a good dude at all never met the guy. I you know, personally I have, I have no no reason to say that, but from what I've read online, I don't think he's a good guy at all. Um I think he'll get exposed at LSU. Um oh, there's one more thing I was going to hit on. Um Oh, you broke the news earlier on here um uh about Notre Dame hiring Would you say they're DC? They're moving up their DC? Yeah. Um Gosh, I can't I, I can't see Oklahoma going out and getting Brent Venables over Luke Fickle. Um, if Notre Dame didn't pick him up. I thought I thought Notre Dame would be a lock for Luke Fickle. Um, so I I would look for Luke Fickle to Oklahoma. That's all I got.
0: Um I I think um Riley did a good thing. I think he's trying to avoid the SEC, I call them scared, I think it's smart because, you know, if you go to an SEC school, by year four you're in the West, you know, you go eight and four one year, maybe ten and two one year, and then you, you know, you lose your QB or something, and you go seven and five, you're probably on the hot seat, you know. At USC, you can go ten and two every year with, you know, Oregon as his main competition, and they'll build a, build a statue for him. Now. I, don't, I think he did smart by leaving, but on the flip side of that, I think Brian Kelly's stupid. Um, he's not in a conference. He plays Army and Navy and all that, usually, I think. And um, he's went to the college football playoff, even though he, their talent is not what – he is looking for. That's probably why he went to LSU, honestly. But Notre Dame's talent isn't doesn't stack up to the Clemson's, the Georges, and the Alabamas of the world. But that's okay. go to the college football playoff everywhere. Take your forty point whipping and get out of there. But I would try to avoid the SEC at all costs. I I love Tennessee in the SEC, but also can't can't stand it because we get our asses beat. Um, it's a different world. It's 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 NFL. 2.0 kind of, you know. Um, I, people were trying to say that, like, Lincoln Riley is, like, overrated in all this. Now, he didn't have to build up Oklahoma like he's going to have to build up USC, but, like, he his losses in the playoff was against Clemson, um, Bama, and maybe Georgia. Like, that's the three powerhouses running college football. Can you really kill a guy for that? Um, I'm interested to see um, what he can do when the program's down. And it's not – like Bob Stoops had that thing elevated for years. Now, about the speech and all that, if they're sleazy, dude, they know – if you're a recruit, you know your your coach can leave at any time. I just don't – this is a different world. Like, there's no feelings that should be involved. There should be no – I know he begged you to come and you signed the dotted line, but you should know ahead of time that that they could leave. And uh, Brian Kelly, what's he supposed to say? Like, Is he supposed to sit up there for 30 minutes and, and you know, handshake these guys? I mean, it's, like I mentioned to Twitter earlier, it's like you ever had to break up with somebody? Like you just want to say it and get out, get out of there. Like it's awkward as hell. At least he did it straight up. Um, a little side note, I can't remember if it was for the – For after Fulmer, like when we got Kiffin, but I'm pretty sure Brian Kelly interviewed with us one time, and he was actually he actually wore uh, orange ties, what I heard, to the interview, and he was really wanted the job. I can't remember if that was the Kiffin year or if that was the Dooley year. I think the Dooley year we had an opportunity to uh, hire Kevin Sumlin, which he ended up sucking. We had some good years at Texas A&M over Dooley, but I'm pretty sure Brian Kelly wanted the job back then. But uh, he would have had us. I think he's decent. He's good. He's an asshole, but you know. I'm not trying to let him date my daughter or anything. But uh, it's, that was one of the wildest 72 hours or whatever, how many 48 hours that we've had in a long time in college football. That stacks up there with the whole Manti Teo, fake girlfriend, the, the uh, Bobby Petrino hog riding while he's banging his secretary, and then, of course, Siano Sunday. But anything else on the coaching, the wildness of the coaching carousel before we move on?
3: Uh yeah, I just want to say I I agree agree with you on the uh on the Brian Kelly speech thing. I actually almost replied to you today. Uh people act like, you know, he's supposed to be bawling his eyes out, taking his shirt off and using it to wipe his tears and going around the room and mouth kissing these guys like he's Jerry Jones after a mid season win. But uh <laughs> I agree with you on that.
0: Uh you had to throw that one in there, didn't you? Um yeah, it's it's i How how great it is! How great is it to watch Oklahoma melt down and Tennessee not have, or or watch the other schools in general have to go through uh, coaching search and Tennessee's sits to the sideline. Like how great is that? It's so refreshing. That's why I give you shit, Vol Bandit, for uh, for the whole plane tracking thing because I feel like it's it almost feels like you're you're showing us. Bad vibes from what we had to go through. And I remember, that's I, have,
3: I, I, have a, I have a hole in my heart to fill.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: nice.
0: That was a lot of work
2: <laughs> back then. That's called a heart murmur, Bandit. You may want to get that. To check.
0: <laughs> All that is a lot of trouble. Like people during coach searches want to, there's fake accounts and there's message boards material. And this guy knows this. And <laughs> it gets on my nerves. I'm glad we don't have to deal with it. All right. So. Let's keep with the national uh, trend going here. What
1: is y'all's –
0: you don't have to give me a national championship winner. Give me your four playoff teams going into championship Sunday.
1: Oh, shit. I did after championship Sunday because I have – I mean, I I thought we were going to pick the teams before that. Whatever. Whatever you feel like. (laughs) Do you want to go ahead and pick them or just keep going?
3: Uh. Pick the games. You want? You want? Yeah, you want to do the pick the games and then give our four championships. Yeah, sure.
1: For the Power Five conferences. Sure. So I have Georgia beating Alabama by a lot, not close, like a lot. Um, I have Michigan winning the Big Ten or Big Ten, uh, Cincinnati winning their conference, and then Oklahoma State winning uh, the Big Twelve, and then the ACC. I have Pitt winning it all, but. My four playoff teams are going to be Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, Cincinnati, number three, and then Oklahoma State, number four.
2: As far as the conference championships, mine's the same as Paul. I will say this uh, on my playoff teams, because I think Georgia's going to win it all. Now you got Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati. Here's where I differ a little bit. Oklahoma State gets beat. I, I think they still let Bama in just because it's freaking Bama. I, I, I have no faith that they're going to pick the right ones. Um, but if Oklahoma State wins, I think they let them in. Um,
3: I've got um, Utah beating Oregon. I've got OK State beating Baylor. Um, let's see we said. PowerPoint. I've got Georgia beating Bama. Cincinnati winning. Michigan went in a close one. I think that Michigan-Iowa game closest to an upset we might see. And um, Well, I said that, but I've got Wake Forest beating Pitt, and I think that would be a betting upset. Uh, but I've got my four teams. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Oklahoma State. And number four, Cincinnati.
0: So I did my playoff teams for this week, so I'll go ahead and say those. So Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma State, and Michigan. Now, the reason I know some people will be like, why don't you have Cincinnati? I'm all for putting teams that are undefeated um, in the college football playoff because if you have a shitty schedule, you can't help who you play necessarily. But the thing about it is, now I'm going to sound a little hypocritical. The other day, yesterday, I tweeted that style points shouldn't matter. Like, Michigan shouldn't be number two right now just because they won. Or just because they handled uh, Ohio State, Bama won by in overtime against the shitty Auburn team, but they won. College football's hard; it's hard to win. You don't elevate the college football over three teams just because you beat a team, uh, you know, by multiple scores. I don't like that. Now, on the flip side of that, I'm going to be hypocritical, and I'm going to say that Cincinnati's schedule is what it is; it's shitty, but they're beating these teams. Like I've lost a lot of money from them because they're not been covering the spreads. Uh, they had a couple, three or four weeks that was awful, where they were like, you know, hanging on. One of them was Navy; they beat them by seven. One of them they had to have a fumble in the end zone or something I can't remember. And then you now the last two weeks they played better, so I'm 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 kind of being I'm playing both sides of the ball here on that, but um, I can't put them in my top four because they just haven't been overly impressive, but I got Michigan at number four going into this week. Now, as for the picks this week, um, Oregon got their ass beat by Utah earlier in the season. I'm going to – it's going to be closer, but Utah is going to win. I got Oklahoma State beating uh, Baylor. By the way, the over-under for that game is 46-and-a-half. I'm curious to know if, the, like, Vegas knows something we don't. I would hammer the over on that. Like, I don't know if that's a – I don't know if – like, that's a sign for it's going to be, like, a 17-13 game or something. But I thought that was weird. Okay. Uh,
3: so, what? Yeah, I got OK State winning that one, like,
0: 42-40. Yeah. So, uh, Paul said Georgia in a blowout. If anybody has the talent to match up with uh, Georgia, it's Alabama. Um, I think they're going to cover the spread. I think it's going to be less than six points. Uh, You could probably do the over in that game, too, because it's 49. Well, I don't know. Georgia's defense is supposed to be good. Um, I don't see a Nick Saban team ever getting blown out. Like, I I would like to go back and see when they've ever gotten their ass beat. But if anybody in the country can stack up to Georgia, it's Bama. Now, I don't believe a team with two losses should ever get into the playoff, especially if they don't win their conference. So, in my eyes – this should be an elimination game. Now, vote. Uh, the playoff committee has known to pick teams based off their name. Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. They love them. They suck them off, right? So Alabama could lose close, have two losses, not win the conference, and get snuck in. I don't. I don't agree with that. Uh, Cincinnati will beat Houston. Um, Iowa will play close to Michigan. Now, this is a typical Michigan. Michigan game where they could get upset by Iowa. Iowa hasn't been actually playing that well lately. Um, but, the, you know, the high of Ohio State, it's like Tennessee, like the high of Ohio State game, getting the monkey off your back and then shit the bed against Iowa. Like that would be something. But I'm picking Michigan. And then Pittsburgh will take the ACC. But after that, it'll be – let's say let's say Bama does lose. you I would go – I would go Georgia, Oklahoma State, Michigan – in Cincinnati now, the reason why I have Michigan over Oklahoma State: top twenty-five wins. Oklahoma State has four. Michigan has one. Cincinnati Cincinnati has one. So Oklahoma State re- did really well with beating the teams that they were, you know, ranked. But that's my that's my spiel on the. Anything else on the championship Sunday? This is a good weekend. I, I hate that you know the regular season's over, but this is always a fun weekend. You usually get Um, some pretty good games.
3: I got, I got two things. Um, I know we picked the Power Five games, but um, the group of five championships. um, San Diego State, I've got them winning, and uh, that's uh, Brady Hoke's team. Brady Brady Hoke's coaching them; they're doing really good. App State, um, I've got them winning the Sun Belt, and uh, Dale Jones uh, that played for Tennessee back in the eighties. He's from Cleveland, Tennessee. He has been their defensive coordinator for thirty something years now. So, uh, got them. Winning. Uh,
0: Bandit, do you see any gambling things that you like? Any bets that you like based off spreads and over unders?
3: Um, let's see. That I've got Wake winning. I feel like that would be an upset bet. F-
0: Pitts a three point favorite. Now the yes. over under of that is seventy one. It goes back to my all-time argument with that high over-unders is that those type of games will have to be so perfect where they would have to score in every drive. Now, both teams have been shown to score 40 and 45, and neither team has defense. Odds are I would go, if you want to put like five bucks on the under, I would. I probably will. Uh, Don't break the bank on it. But just too much has to happen for a game to equal 70-plus points, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but whatever. Uh, Dr.
2: Leland, you're talking about Alabama getting blown out. They actually did in 2019 by Clemson, 44 to 16 in the playoffs.
0: They did.
3: Yeah, yeah I, remember, was... I remember that game. That was in the championship game. Give me, give yeah, me some, give me
0: some them. stats on that. Who was was Trevor Lawrence? I guess.
3: Let me yeah. pull it up. Two or three, uh
1: two pick sixes, and that was the game. Justin Ross became like a Clemson legend. Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's rare. I'll tell you that much. I, w- I would put money on uh, Wake Forest in the under for sure. Wake Forest, okay, plus three.
0: Okay. Anything else nationally before we get to our Heisman picks? All right, let's do let's do Heisman picks and get the heck out of here.
1: I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett, really, just because lack of choices. I wanted to go with Kenneth Walker so bad, but I just don't see it happening. Uh it's the most realistic choice, in my opinion.
2: I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I don't have an opinion on this because I don't think this year there's just not a clear cut. Like Alabama's quarterback's in it because he's Alabama's quarterback. I, I don't I don't I don't really care. I guess I'll say pick it just so we can say that you know one of our losses was to the Heisman winner. But let's be honest, this war doesn't mean a damn
3: thing anymore. Yeah, I'm with. um I'm with DR there. Um I hate seeing these Alabama quarterbacks win it every year because it's nothing they're doing. It's the system. Um uh, Dak Prescott could probably win a Heisman at Alabama right now and he sucks ass. That was a joke. That was a joke. Uh but no, really. Uh yeah, I don't like uh Bryce Young will probably win it. I don't I don't like it. Um, if you, if you want to talk about actual real quarterback talent, I like that Ohio State quarterback, CJ Stroud, um, Matt Corral, uh, he has, he has good talent, but I feel the same way, kind of like with the, uh, Alabama quarterbacks. I feel like, um, if he wasn't with Kiffin, he doesn't do what he does. Kenny, Kenny Pickett is another guy. Um, I think he has actual quarterback talent. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's as good as the CJ Stroud kid. Um, so with all that being said, I picked Kenneth Walker, the third. Um, uh, I'm really glad Paul didn't cause I thought he was about to, uh, I'd like, I'd like to see a, a running back get this award sometime before I die. I like running backs. That's all I got.
0: Um, so as I was doing some research for this topic, I saw this guy from Western Kentucky on the stat list. Dude, apparently this dude is balled out. Like, he may be um, an NFL draft up-and-comer, like one of those guys you hear from a small school. So, he's from Western Kentucky. He has blown away everybody in yards. I think he got close to 5,000, if not 5,000. I I have to check in. Over, okay. So, he's first in yards, first in touchdowns at 52. By the way, the second-place touchdown thrower is Pickett and Bryce Young at 40. So he beat them by 12 touchdowns, and he has a 70% completion percentage. Now, he's not going to be my Heisman guy because of of the name (sighs) Western Kentucky, but um, I could see him – I would personally let him make the trip, and people will say, oh, he's Western Kentucky, he doesn't deserve – just there's nobody else. There's nobody else, okay? Now, Pickett is um, fifth in yards, second in touchdowns. Young is sixth in yards, tied for second in in touchdowns. And then Walker, he's second in rushing, and he's fifth in touchdowns. And uh, now my thing about Walker was um, he would probably be my number one if it wasn't for the Ohio State game. And I know, like, nothing against him in that game or nothing he did. It's just that you can't get beat by 50 or 60 and win the Heisman. Like, I don't think that's ever been done. Most of the Heisman winners are playing for the Natty, which I don't think this year that'll happen. Like, I'm not going to give the Heisman to Stetson Bennett. Uh, but uh, media loves Bama. Bryce Young will probably be your Heisman winner, but Pickett should be should be the winner, I think. And it, it, that's, that's just – we know how we always make that joke about whenever Tennessee gets matched up with somebody in the Western Division, we get them at the year that they're supposed to be sucking, but they have a good year. That's the most Tennessee thing ever to get the Heisman, future Heisman Trophy winner in the second game of the season. I think that's just ridiculous. But we won't get him next year. But watch us have like the next one Pitt has or something, next Dan Marino. But uh, I have Pickett win it, but Bryce Young will probably win it. This is such a bad year for Heisman. Like, there hasn't been a clear cut number one, I don't think. But that's our end of the year pod. Anybody have any last second thoughts on uh, what you got, Paul?
1: so uh this isn't really about football but i did want to announce this so there was more rumors about why uh this is actually be my last episode for the foreseeable future uh works not no longer work with me to be here at eight o'clock on wednesday nights uh i do want to thank bandit and uh for just recruiting me into this it's been a blast i don't want to leave this like i'm holding back tears trying not to like cry on the pod and uh Leland, DR, and Lowe, you guys have become like a second family to me. I always look forward to seeing you guys at Tailgates. And I've I've loved everything that we've done so far this season. It's just like planning a wedding, you know, trying to get into my adult life. I'm only twenty one. I have to work as much as I can, especially while going to school. So this is gonna be my last episode for the foreseeable future. So I just wanted to say that. Damn, bro,
0: I didn't uh didn't realize that was your last one. I wish I knew about that. I um Anytime, dude. You're free. You're more than welcome to come on. You can. We'll figure something out. We'll we'll get you on somehow. I think. Yeah, I don't think. Long that, I don't time
2: till next football season. I don't think don't, this will be your last. Don't one. rule yourself out.
0: Yeah. Or give them the middle finger and say, "Hey, I got a ATV rules." But I understand, buddy. Congrats on your engagement, by the way. Um, y'all had a. I could tell that. Well, you got hammered, but I know that you and your girl probably had a blast. We had a blast with y'all. Again, thanks, Bandit, for bringing us on. This has been a blast. I look forward to every Wednesday to this, uh, talking shit with y'all. But we're going to keep it going, do a basketball thing, and uh, go from there. But anybody has any last – I feel like I talked this shit up. But uh, anybody has any last thoughts, Bandit?
3: Uh, I love you, Paul. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, Like Leland said, you're always welcome back.
0: All right, let's head out. Go Vols.